and welcome to the third episode of our podcast, Tranch Up. I'm Leanne. And I'm Ruhi. And we are delighted to welcome Olivia Reynolds today to have a chat with us. Olivia, a very, very warm welcome to Tranch Up. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Now, we know you, the industry knows you, you know the industry, the market. You've been on all the big deals. You've been at all the industry conferences. But for that one poor soul who's probably not heard of you, could you perhaps introduce yourself and tell us a little about what you do? Sure. Uh, thank you very much for this kind introduction. Well, I spent my entire career, so it's over 20 years now, in structural credits, um, initially in, um, in academia. I was a professor of finance initially, and then moving to, um, to modeling, research, uh, in, uh, and then since 2006 in structuring and origination. Uh, of uh, structural credit products. And one of my main areas of expertise has been and is the, the risk sharing or uh, SRT, significant risk transfer markets. Um, I set up the CT program with my colleagues in 2007, uh, which is still going strong. And uh, I've originated or range uh, a whole bunch of transactions for around 20 banks globally, and most of them being first time issuers. So that's one of the things I, I specialize in. And I have uh, recently joined in December Pemberton Asset Management uh, to run our uh, resharing strategy. And for those of you who don't know Pemberton, uh, Pemberton is a, a European uh, private credit manager, uh, which manages around $15 billion uh, at the moment. And it's one of the leading um, direct lending platforms in Europe. That's brilliant, Olivier. Thank, thanks very much for that. And, and can I ask what prompted that transition from sell side to the investor side? Yeah, I've been uh, originating and arranging SRT transactions for 15 years, so I, I fancied uh, a change a little bit. And I had been looking to move on the buy side for, for a while. Uh, and it's, you know, what prompted that is really when I approached Pemberton with, uh, I had prepared a whole business plan. So when I approached them with, uh, with my business plan, I really pushed on an open door with them. So they, they had considered the space for a while, but I hadn't um, invested in it. They're more single name credit focused. And, um, and really it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a good encounter uh, through a, a former colleague from, uh, uh, from City. And, and we think it's quite a natural space actually for a private credit lender to, to move into the, the, the SRT space. Um, and there's a, a great match between what I can bring to the table, which is structuring and origination skills and Pemberton's real you know, strong credit platform. They have a big uh, you know, team of 18 people doing credit analysis. So there's, there's a, good, um, you know, it's a good match between the, the, the two of us. It sounds like a super exciting opportunity for you. And, and certainly we yep. in the market are all looking forward to, to seeing what happens. What do you think we can expect to see from Pemberton in the, in the near future? Oh, we've just started. So uh, at, at the moment, we're, I'm delighted by the, the, the reception we're, we're getting from both uh, potential investors, so LPs and, and banks. Uh, we're seeing a lot of transactions at the moment. So we expect to be very busy in, uh, in the second uh, quarter, uh, in the second half of the year, rather, uh, deploying capital. Um, but, it, you know, it's early days uh, still. I started, uh, you know, three months ago. Uh, but looking ahead in a few years, we we want to be one of the leading players in this uh, in this space. 
while at the same time remaining focused on what we do well, which is you know the core asset classes that we uh, that we participate in at the moment, which is corporate and SMEs, and also trade finance. Well, congratulations on your move, Oliver, and we look forward to hearing more about Pemberton in the press in the coming few months. So you were recently in the news for this three-part article that you had written called the SRT Chronicles, which gave your perspective on the SRT market. So for those of you who haven't actually read it, please go back and do read that. Uh, it does give you a lot of perspective on how the market has developed. Now, we don't want to cover the same ground again, but given that you have been around for a long time, it would be helpful to understand from your perspective what sort of developments you've seen in the SRT market. Um, sure. The, the market has changed quite a lot over the past 10 years. So if you look back to 2010, 2011, there used to be like five or six banks, always the same, doing, say, you know, a dozen deals a year. Uh, well, now we're seeing a much more diversified market. Uh, with see, you know, for the past few years, around 25 banks a year doing transactions, and doing an average of say 60 transactions a year. Last year was even more than that, over 65 transactions in uh, 2021, and that keeps growing. Uh, so, just uh, you know, back of the envelope calculation, this this market has grown at around 15% per annum since every year since 2010. So it's really uh, developed quite nicely. Um, the material is, the market's more mature. Uh, and and if you look at, you know, from the bank's perspective, it, it, SRT products is much more of a flow product now, rather than, you know, a collection of one-off transactions, which are really hard to do. So it's quite helpful from an investor side as well, because that makes the supply much more predictable because banks will come back on a quarterly or six monthly basis or for you know some of them only on an annual basis. Uh, but there'll be loads of different banks. So you know, less reliant on one or two banks doing, uh, doing transactions. So the supply is more predictable and also more diversified uh, across issuers. What hasn't changed that much uh, is uh, is the fact that the market's still very much corporate and SME focused, which is great because that's what we do, and that's around seventy percent of transactions every year, and that's been very stable for the past you know ten years, uh, and it's still very much driven by European banks. Um, that's around eighty percent of supply comes out of Europe, although we hear about we hear a lot about uh, U.S. banks doing deals, and as I said in in the intro, you know, I, I work with with uh, you know, the team at City, certainly US banks have been doing deals, but they're still relatively late adopters. And uh, you know the market is still European right now. Thanks, Olivier. It's, it's great to hear that. And certainly we, we agree that it looks very promising for the market. One point though, that, um, that's quite interesting is that as, as you'll be aware, one of the struggles that we have in the market and have always had in the market is ensuring that regulators understand these products and that they, you know, that they understand that they are a very good thing for the economy. And one of the biggest issues that we've always faced is to keep differentiating between balance sheet synthetic securitizations and arbitrage synthetic securitizations, which of course are the are the products that the regulators are more concerned about. Just be interesting to get your perspective on that and why you think uh, regulators are still looking at these types of products with, with caution or suspicion, I should say. Yeah, I mean, uh, synthetic securitizations overall got a bad name out of the global financial crisis. Uh, I mean, we all remember stories of investors and banks taking big losses on synthetics, uh, you know, 
the products had the wrong alignment of interest. Nobody knew what risk they were taking. You know, just as an anecdote, my, even my 16-year-old daughter was asked to watch the big short for economics course uh, over the uh, the, um, the half-term break. So it's, hey, really, it's really ingrained in popular culture. And, and then I had to justify the fact that I'm not doing these types of transactions. I'm doing something quite different. <laughs> and, and, and actually, so it's really important for our industry to continue to hammer out the fact that although the, the instruments is similar, it is synthetic securitization, the types of portfolios and the incentives uh, from the, the, the market uh, participants are completely different for balance sheet synthetics. I mean, the, the hedge portfolios, they're core loan portfolios, they're not uh, loan portfo you know, portfolios that were originated to be uh, you know, distributed. They go through the normal approval process of uh, uh, you know of the of the banks, and you know we call them risk sharing transactions because you know the banks keep skin in the game, and so they still remain exposed to the portfolios which they were not in uh, in uh, in or they are not in arbitrage uh, synthetics. The the good news is that on the whole, and I say on the whole, uh, legislators and regulators understand it now uh, and and they see that real risk sharing transactions are actually a useful tool for banks to free up or to manage risk free up uh, capital and to continue lending to the real economy and but actually a good example of that is uh, is uh, is the european union pushing through the um, the synthetics sts framework during the covid crisis that that was really testament that Yes, this is a product that is helpful to the real economy and it's no longer, you know, that toxic uh, uh, product of the, the, the global financial crisis. Yeah, I agree. That was really, really great to see. And of course, um, IACPM, um, we were lucky enough to have Jennifer Bearden on our last episode, have been really instrumental in, in helping regulators understand these products. So fingers crossed that all continues to go as, as we all want it to. Okay, I'm going to pick up on that point. And just to summarize for the benefit of our audience, Oliver, what then makes a good SRT transaction? What points should we all bear in mind? Well, I thought we only had 10 minutes for the podcast. So <laughs> where do I start? Well, <laughs> I, I think you know, starting from the, the very basics, actually, um, I, I think the, a good transaction is a transaction with the right bank for the particular asset class that is securitized. And it's, you know, some banks will be good at certain asset classes, other banks will be good at other asset classes. So you don't necessarily want the largest banks, large banks are fine, but, you know, a good, even medium-sized bank, but really focus on the particular asset class that is securitized is what I'm actually uh, looking for. And that goes back to my point about the assets being core. We don't want uh, you know, an asset which has been originated you know, as part of potentially a diversification play for the bank, but it's not really a core to their strategy. We want core assets. And, and it's very rare if you, if you think of, you know, if you look back at history that, that banks have lost a lot of money on their core lending uh, books. They tend to um, you know, lose money when they venture into asset classes they either don't understand or markets they don't really understand. So that will be the first point. Uh, related to that, and uh, you, you want uh, you know, a good transaction will be a, bank, a, a transaction where the, the bank has the right incentives. 
So spend a lot of time focusing on uh, you know, alignment of interest, uh, you know, what skin in the game the bank has, you know, segregation of duties between the team that makes the, the, the replenishments and the, and, the, and the risk team, for example, and also understanding how the initial portfolio was selected to make sure that you know, it hasn't been uh, negatively uh, selected. Then, and that, you know, that can differ from investor to, to investor, but from my point of view, um, you know, I tend to prefer uh, you know, transactions with a return profile that is stable. So maybe not you know, the highest possible return profile in very, very low default scenarios, uh, but one that's you know, a transaction which doesn't fall off a cliff when you start having slightly higher than usual um, uh, default rates. So some investors focus more on you know, headline return maximization, I'll be more focused on return stability. And finally, I mean, finally for this, this podcast, it's not the, the end of the, the matter, but also importantly, a, a transaction that fits your portfolio. So you know, each uh, transaction by construction will be diversified. So between I don't know, uh, a few dozen names to many thousands of names, uh, but, but you want also to achieve diversification across uh, banks and across markets. So, you know, might, might do, uh, you know, a Spanish SME uh, transaction on one hand, but, and a large corporate uh, transaction, which will be by nature more global, maybe a trade finance transaction. So trying to, uh, to build good diversification, not only within transactions, but across transactions. Okay, that's all really interesting. And uh, actually thinking about it, it's a shame that we have only 10 minutes because I would definitely, and I'm sure others would as well, love to hear a bit more. Um, but I think that's all the questions that I had. Leanne, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to ask Olivier? We thought we'd round off by just asking you more of a personal question. Um, and so clearly from everything you said, you're gonna be working very hard in your new role at Pemberton and, and we look forward to seeing that. But in the meantime, what are your interests outside of Pemberton and the SRT space? Um, sure, wine is <laughs> is, <laughs> is is one 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 interest with uh, moderation, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I've uh, invested many years ago in uh, in a vineyard in uh, in in the Loire Valley. Wow. Uh, that's uh, that's not a way to get rich uh, investing in uh, in <laughs> struggling vineyards, but it's uh, it's uh, it's great fun to be to be part of. So that's uh, using a little bit of my spare time as well. Amazing. So questionable returns, but lots of lots of pleasure by the sound of it. Exactly. And I'll, I'll try to have a very good returns and a lot of pleasure in, oh. uh, in the main job. <laughs> there you go. I think that's a, a great summary for the end of the podcast. So thank right. you very much, Olivier. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you, Olivier. And we will be in touch with you about more SRT stuff and definitely for firm discounts on that wine. But um, thank you again. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that session. And if you want some fine wine, you know the man to contact. Well, stay tuned for our next episode, which will be out again in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a great week and keep tranching.